I'm so excited to welcome everyone to this kick-off Sunday of our 40 Days of Hope. If you can please open your Bibles now. We have several passages, more in the book of Hebrews, so I would request you to slip in a, a bookmarker in the book of Hebrews. But for our scripture reading, we shall read Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's all stand. It's just one verse, so I'd like us to read this in unison. Let's read this aloud. Ready, go. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Let's take our seats. It's one of those verses in the Bible that we love to memorize. Amen? A lot of us, we have Jeremiah 29, 11 as our uh, life verse. Because it's a beautiful verse to memorize. Now, our 40 days of hope is inspired and based from the book of Dr. David Jeremiah entitled Hope an anchor for life. You can actually purchase the book online through Amazon.com. So for the next 40 days or seven weeks, we will be journeying together and explore what biblical hope is and how we can embrace hope and apply it to our situations. How many of us are worried this morning about something. <laughs> it seems that there are so many things to worry about. What will happen to our house? Or maybe you are cooking something and you forgot, did I turn off the gas range? Or what about I ironed this morning? Was I able to unplug all these things? Or we worry about what will happen this week? Or this uh, famous name, Miss Judith. Do you know see Judith? The Judith will come. Judith is coming. <laughs> so we worry about so many things. And so as, as our introduction to this series, we're going to talk about choosing hope over worry. Friends, to worry is a choice. To worry is a sin because Jesus said, do not worry about anything. And yet, it's one of the things that we always do every day. We are a worrier rather than a warrior. But we can choose hope over worry. Now, let me start with this story about Dr. Lloyd John Ogilvy. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a celebrity pastor in the States. Dr. Lloyd John Ogilvy was a famous Presbyterian pastor who pastored the historic first Presbyterian church of Hollywood, California for 23 years and later served as a chaplain of the United States Senate from 1995 to 2003. And in the mid 1980s, he was fascinated to write a book about hope. And so as he was preparing 
himself to write this book. He, his journey starts in the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, where he took his doctoral studies. So to set his mood, he decided to have a wild Scottish camp in the mountains together with his colleagues there. It's a nice place to write a book, very beautiful mountains and all the sceneries there. One Sunday afternoon, he decided to hike into the rugged section of the mountainsides. Little did he know that he was about to experience an ordeal that would change his life and radically transform his theological understanding about hope. It was raining that day, but it didn't stop him from going out. So his mood was exuberant. He was singing. He was praying. He was so happy and inspired to write the book. As he was crossing rock walls, strolled the meadows, followed steep paths. Then the weather worsened. To follow the trail, he needed to hop and jump from one rock or boulder to another. Now, while attempting to jump, Dr. Ogilvy slipped and his legs plunged down between two boulders into a narrow crevice in the mountain. His experience was something like what happened to James Franco in that movie, 127 Hours. Remember that movie? The whole movie was just right there. You know, he's he's stuck in this uh, crevice. And for 127 hours, he has to, you know, fight for his life. Now, Dr. Ogilvy's situation was something like that. You know, he was unconscious for a while. And the moment he gained his consciousness, he realized that his whole body was stuck in those boulders. And his left leg was crushed and bleeding. And you know what? Panic surged throughout his body and he got so worried. And suddenly the idea of writing a book about hope was so ironic because he was in a very hopeless situation at that time. Somehow after many attempts, Dr. Ogilvy managed to extricate his body and slowly and painfully push himself out from that crevice. The pain was indescribable according to him, but every time he felt giving up, he cried, Lord, please help me. You're the only one I have. You know, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. And so, almost miraculously, Dr. Ogilvy pushed forward his body, yard by yard, inch by inch, for nearly three hours. When he was finally about to give up, because of the pain, you know, and accepted the, the certainty of death, a verse flashed to his mind. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Somehow that verse gave him hope. So he focused on hope. Lord, you have good plans for me. You have given me hope. And so that 
hope renewed his courage and so he began to pray more and again as more blood was was dripping he was really forcing himself to get out from from that mountain and finally when he was about to you know faint there were some people walking also strolling the mountain one of them was a doctor and to make the long story short he was rescued you know the recovery required multiple surgeries and endless therapy but somehow he did recover and this is what he said concerning that ordeal hope isn't a feeling or a philosophical concept it's the reality of a relationship with the living God who has loving plans for us. He said, It was when I gave up and surrendered the seemingly impossible circumstances to the Lord that I realized that I made one of the most crucial discoveries of my life. Authentic hope is born when we trust Him completely. Hope is a person and quote hope is a person and for dr ogilvy writing a book about hope was something that god himself orchestrated in his life he need to experience hope in a very hopeless situation hope is really coming from a relationship with god friends hope is very important these days because we are going through a lot of challenges, whether this pandemic, financial crises, disease, and all sorts of problems. We need hope to survive all these challenges. But what is hope? You know, in the Bible, hope is not a description of wishful thinking, but of determined reality. It is sure secure and certain because it is not based on some wishes or desires or some positive thinking or just being optimistic hope is based on a person who is powerful enough to orchestrate everything according to his will somebody said it is hopelessness even more than pain that crushes the soul and that is true in the lives of people today. When people are hopeless, when people start to say, what can I do? What's the use you know, of hoping? Is there any hope? It's there that when, when, when pain you know, starts to crush the hearts of men and women because we start to lose hope. So why is hope necessary? because our circumstance demand it right when do we need hope the most that is what i want us to to study and most of our passages today are based from the book of hebrews now when do we need hope the most all right number one we need hope when times are hard we need hope when times are hard. The book of Hebrews is said to be the book of hope. 
it was written to a group of Jewish Christians who started their new faith in Christ. You know, they, they are converts from Judaism. And as they started their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're so excited, even though they went through some persecutions from their Jewish brethren, somehow their enthusiasm flooded their hearts, and they could continued to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But some years passed and their situation stabilized and they had settled down into a kind of comfortable Christianity. Then a new wave of persecution threatened them. Life became hard again and these Christians panicked and wondered if they should simply give up their faith in Christ and revert back to Judaism. That's when this book was written. We do not know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews, whether it was Paul or Barnabas. Some scholars would say probably it's Paul. But whoever is the author of this, he was used by the Holy Spirit to encourage Christians to put their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the word hope is repeated seven times in this book. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Because this is the exhortation of the writer of Hebrews to these persecuted Christians. These Christians who are already hopeless in their situation, and they're planning to go back to their old life in the Judaistic tradition. And so, this is what the book of Hebrews says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promise is faithful. We need these words, friends, when we go through hard times to hold unswervingly to the hope, right? We, we, it, it's something that we need to grip ourselves upon, upon our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's based on what? On what he promised. Notice what he says. For he who promised is faithful, our hope does not depend on us, but it depends on the one, the object of our hope, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because he who promised is what? Is faithful. It's the faithfulness of God that strengthens our hope. Look at verse 32. Remember those early days after you had received the light? When you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. So this is their story. During the early days of Christianity, they endured the, the conflicts, the sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison. And notice this joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Have we gone to that extreme? As Christians, our properties are being confiscated. Look at what happened to these Christians. Their properties were confiscated, but notice their response to, the, to these trials. They endured and they joyfully accepted this. Why? Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. What is that? That's hope. You see? Their hope is not on the earthly things that they have, but their hope is something 
bigger and greater than what this world can offer. Right? That's, that's the basis of their hope. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, notice this, you will receive what He has promised. Brethren, hope is really holding unswervingly to the what? To the promises of God. It's the expectation of receiving what He has said. And an example here, of course, is Abraham. Abraham is, is a good example that we are going to use today because Abraham is that person he really hoped. And even though, even though he did not see the fullness of the realization of what he hoped for, but nonetheless, he was looking forward to it and he lived his life looking at that hope. That's the same thing for you and me today. When we go through hard times, hope keeps us steady in this life. We need hope when times are hard. Number two, we need hope when seas are rough. You know, in Hebrews chapter 6, hope is described as an anchor that is firm and secure. Here, the writer is using Abraham as an example who hoped in God when his life is, was like a sea that is rough. All right? Look at verse 13. When God, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Thus, God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of of promise, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. So Abraham fed his soul with the solid food of God's what? Promise and cultivated hope. Again, the hope of Abraham that he has to wait was, was you know, it hinges on what? On the character of God. That God is a dependable God. That God is a fulfiller of his what? Of his promises. That all the promises in the Bible, you know, were written and they were said by God and he confirmed it with an oath. Right? And, and for Abraham, that served as a basis for his hope. Right? Even if his circumstances was becoming, you know, unsettled. The only basis for Abraham to keep on going and trusting this God that he could not even see was that God did two things, a promise and an oath. God made a promise to Abraham in, in Genesis 12 that Abraham, I want you to leave the comfort of your parents. I want you to go to a place, right? You don't know where it is. God never gave him a map. No direction. The only thing that God gave him was a promise. I will surely bless you. I will multiply, you know, your posterity. I will give you a land and those who bless you, I will bless. And I will bless all mankind through your offspring. See? Only a promise. 
So, Abraham was journeying. He left his comfort with only one thing with him, a promise from God. And then in Genesis chapter 15, we find in that, in that chapter, God confirmed that promise with a sacred oath. God was doing an oath-taking. Can you imagine this? Remember that incident? You know, Abraham was commanded by God, you know, gather these animals, split them, and then you, you pass by, but he wasn't able to pass. It was God. The point there is this. It was God who made a solemn oath to Abraham. And you know what? The Bible says God did this so that by two unchangeable things, what are two unchangeable things that God did? A promise and an oath in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. You know what Hebrews is saying? You and I can truly hope in God because He's a God who makes a promise, and not only a promise, He makes a solemn oath that He will do what He promised that He will do to you and to me. God has given His promise. He confirmed it. And friends, when we go to the New Testament, what is the confirmation of God's promise and oath? In the Old Testament, animals were slaughtered. In the New Testament, God's promise and oath to us was the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, it was a confirmation to all believers that God will fulfill what He promised, that He's going to save you, that He's going to secure you forever. Amen? So we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. See, notice how hope is now being described after talking about about the promise and the oath of God. Now Hebrews writer is saying that hope is the anchor of your life. And this anchor is firm and secure. Now, when do you need an anchor the most? When the seas become rough. When life becomes unsettled. It's so easy for us to be dragged. It's easy for us to be drowned. It's easy for us to be drawn by the current. See? And, and when we are not secured in Christ, it's easy for us to give up. See? It's easy for us for the circumstances to overwhelm our lives, to affect our faith. But look at what the Bible says. Hope is an anchor for soul. It's firm and secured. And that anchor is not anchored down deep in the sea, but that anchor is what? It's really embedded where? In heaven. Notice this. That's the difference. It's there in heaven where our forerunner, Jesus Christ, has entered on our behalf. He has become, our, become a high priest forever. You know the idea there, brethren? Our anchor is not being fastened to some boulders under the sea. No. It is fastened to what? To the very altar of God. See? So the chain of our anchor has entered 
the very altar of God in heaven. And who is holding that anchor there? It is Jesus Christ. So that whatever you and I would ask here in heaven, it is heard by our Father in heaven. You know why? Because of our Lord Jesus Christ, His priestly ministry. You know the work of the great high priest? To intercede. To intercede. So whenever we are crying out, whenever our seas become so unsettled here in this world, we know that we have a firm forerunner, a high priest in heaven, you know, holding fast our life. That's why in one of our great hymns, you know, we have this line, When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. You know? On Christ the solid rock I stand. The sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. You see, life in this world can be so unsettling. But when we put our hope in Jesus Christ, we are firm and secure. Amen? Third, we need hope when way is deemed. We need hope when way is deemed. We also need to, to see the path. You know, it's not, life is not just about traveling wavy seas. But sometimes we may be walking in a straight path in life, but then it's, it's dark. It's a different situation. See? It may not be shaky, but you don't know what to do. You don't know what's going to happen next. That's the idea. That's why we need hope. And again, Abraham is our example here. Look at Hebrews 11. Okay? Beginning at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You see? That's the idea. It may not be shaky. It might just be a straight path. But he doesn't know where it leads him. Sometimes life is like that. Sometimes the way is dark. Sometimes we cannot figure out what's going to be my next step, Lord. I don't know, Lord. It's like it's so deep. And the same thing with Abraham. Imagine Abraham leaving his comfort, his family. He has to journey, he has to bring his wife and, and his, you know, maybe some of, of his livestock and start somewhere point zero. But light, light was what God. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Notice this. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Friends, that's another description of hope. What is hope? Hope is looking forward. See? Why is it necessary for people, for Christians, to always think of heaven? Because our thinking of heaven while we are living here on earth keeps us to the 
true north. Amen? The problem with people today, they have no sense of heaven. And so, one problem can easily darken their imagination, their emotions. But for us Christians, when we are always looking forward to heaven, there's always a reason to survive. There's always a reason to move forward. Why? Because there's a better place to be. See? That's hope. When darkness seems so, to hide His face, trust in His unchanging grace. That's what kept Abraham moving forward. See? If you look at the map, you know, Ur is somewhere in Iraq. He has to travel so many miles to go to what is now Israel. No map. But there was only one thing he did. Looking forward to the promise of heaven. See? Friends, never, never close your eyes to the idea of heaven. It's necessary for us. That is our eternal home, not in this world. Amen? Number four, we need hope when waiting is long. We need hope when waiting is long. Other times, friends, we, we, we will not, it's not hard times, it's, you know, it's not rough seas. Sometimes it's not about the path that is deemed, but sometimes, you know, everything can be okay, no problems, but also no happenings. <laughs> you just have to wait. Well, that's where we need hope. Hope also keeps us going when we have to wait. And waiting is going to be long. And a lot of people, they can't wait long. That's why they become hopeless. See? Now, by the way, it is important to take note that the word hope and wait in the Bible, they are used interchangeably. Like to give you one example, a very familiar passage in Isaiah 40:31. In the New King James Version, it says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a promise. Those who wait in the Lord. Now, in the NIV, it says, for those who hope in the Lord. You see? So hope is simply waiting. And for us Christians, we are not waiting for something that we wish would happen. No. Hope in the Bible is firm and secure. It's one thing to wait for something that you know, it's just 50-50. 50-50, 50%, 50, 50%, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, Hoping the waiting was quite long, but nonetheless, it was worth it. You know why? Because the waiting was based on the one person who made the promise. According to David Jeremiah, hope is the mindset that accepts and rejoices in God's wonderful ways, even when the waiting is long. Okay. Accepting the ways of God. 
Because you know that it's God giving you the promise, and so you know God fulfills His promise. Number five and last, we need hope when life seems unsure. When life seems unsure. Again, going back to Hebrews 6.19, our hope, okay, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. See that? Firm and secure. I want you to focus on that word, secure. Okay? I, Abraham faced so much insecurities when God made a promise. Remember? Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Now, what do you think are some of the insecurities of Abraham? Was he insecure? I'm not, I'm not guapo enough, Lord. Old age, yes. <laughs> See? He was so insecure because when God made the promise, he was already 75 years old. Okay, somebody 75 years old, Rebe. Okay. Tito Pakits. You're like Abraham. Okay? Oh, mayon si God. What if mayon si God? Okay, Tito Pakits, you're going to have a son with Atilaida. Ah, see? Si Atilaida grabbing katawa. Mura pong si Sarah. Same, same reaction. Diba? Same reaction. Are you sure, Lord? Right? But notice this. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Against all hope. Notice this. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. You see that? That is hope. Against all hopeless situations. In other words, you know that you are in a very hopeless situation, but nonetheless, you still hold on to hope. You know what, brethren? When, when, when I was preparing this message, it was on the same situation where, where Sharon and the rest of the family was clinging to that hope. I was really hoping, you know, against all hope because the doctors already said, the doctors already said, I'm talking about my, my brother-in-law, that this operation is not even 50-50. Okay? 50-50 is not the right term. It's, it's even below 50. In other words, the, the chances of survival is less than 50. But we cling on to that hope. See? Not knowing that God's answer is really different from what we ask for. And does that mean that we are hopeless? No. Again, because our hope is that God is doing His best. We do not know what's best. We know what's our best choice, but God has His own best. And so we have to surrender. We were hoping. And nonetheless, my hope was never dead because I know that my brother-in-law is with the Lord. I know that with all my heart. And I'm never, I'm never, never, you know, I never regretted hoping because hope was worthwhile. It kept us going, trusting that, you know, Lord, you know what's best for our family. You know what's best. So the same thing with Abraham. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, 
He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Can you, can you imagine that? Abraham knew that his body was as good as dead. He was so, what? Unsecure about his body. You know, this body could no longer bear a child. Since he was about 100 years old and that Cyrus womb was also dead. Notice this, verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Friends, it is only when you have a real relationship with God when you can give Him glory despite, despite and no answer. That's what I said last night in our vigil service. The hardest thing that a Christian can experience is when you receive no for an answer. When you ask for something and God says no and still give Him glory. That's faith. That's faith. Because when God says no, it's not a denial to your request. It's not a denial. He is simply saying, I have a different answer. And my answer is better than what you asked for. That can keep us going when our hope is in Christ. Amen? So being fully persuaded, notice the phrase, fully persuaded that God had the power to do what He promised. See, that is where our hope is based, brethren. You and I need to increase our faith so that we come to that level of faith wherein we are so persuaded that when we ask God for something, whatever is His answer, it is always based on His promise. And what is His promise? It's for your good and for my good. That would remove worries in our hearts. That would remove all our unsure thoughts why? Because I know even if God's answer to my, to my prayers are not what I desire, nonetheless, they are definitely more wonderful than what I need. I need to be persuaded. We need to be persuaded because that is what hoping is all about. Now, friends, by the way, in the old, you know, in ancient times, they don't have this. You know what, what is that called? That's where you fasten the ship, right? That's called a, a, uh, a mooring bollard, okay? I have to ask Andy, A mooring bollard. Do you know that that is the beginning of where the word anchor means, right? Because in ancient Greek, they don't have that kind of steel. What they have at that time were just boulders and huge rocks in the harbor. So what they do is, you know, they tie their ropes there. And you know what, what that boulder is called? That called in Greek, it's called ankoria. Ankoria. Where we get the word anchor. And you know what, what during people during that time does same thing as what we do today you know when there are big ships right three crew would would go down from a boat you know bring that bring the 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 rope of the ship to the shore 
and then fasten it there. And that's when the ship becomes safe from the waves. What is that in connection with, with you know, with, with, with our hope, brethren? Friends, that's the idea when, when the writer of Hebrews was writing about the anchor. See? Who, who is that person bringing the rope to the anchoria? It's Jesus Christ. And our hope is not anchored to the harbor. Our hope is anchored to heaven. That's the idea. Jesus Christ is the one. He's the crew that brings the end of the rope of our ship. And it is being anchored not in the anchoria, not in that, you know, bullard in the shore. No, it's anchored where? At the very holy of holies in heaven. And Christ is, is not even leaving that anchor. He's just standing there so that your life and my life can be secured and firm. Amen? That's the idea. We have this anchor as an, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So our anchor is not fastened deep in the sea or in the harbor, but it is fastened where? In heaven. So that whenever we ask, whenever we pray, we know that we have a direct line to the very source of our answers. Wherefore, our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. You see, he entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever. So that's the basis of our anchor brethren. Now, I'd like to quote as we are about to end, A.W. Tozer. The man who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems for he sees at once that these have to do with matters which at most cannot concern him for very long. And you know what, brethren? I agree with A.W. Tozer. Christians who have their hearts right with God are relieved from 10,000 worries because they know that somebody out up there will help. So bring your problems. That's why the Bible says, cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. That's where we put our hope. Bring all your hard, hard things in life, your crises, and then cast them because He is secure. Now, in, in Dante's Divine Comedy, where, where there is a, a picture there of hell. And as you enter this, this cavern, you know, called hell, there's, there's this, uh, what you call this, a, a post which describes something like, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. That's the inscription at the opening of hell. When you enter hell, you don't need hope there. 
Because what you find in hell is what? Is a hopeless end. Friends, you don't have to go to hell. <laughs> because you can have hope and find hope today. Because hope is a person. Amen? Hope is a person and Jesus is our hope. Receive Jesus Christ now as your personal Lord and Savior, then you will have hope forever. Because only Jesus Christ can transform our hopeless end into an endless hope. Put your hope in Christ so that you will have an endless hope. Now going back to Dr. Lloyd Ogilvy, finally he get around to write the book and this is what he said in that book. Hope is a gift of God through Christ that produces a confident, unshakable trust in His faithfulness and a vibrant expectation of His timely interventions in keeping with His gracious promise to us. I like that portion, His timely interventions in keeping with His gracious promise to us. Friends, that's what we need today. Hope. It's a gift and it's for you and you have to receive it by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that even though we are going through some crises today, we can always choose to hope and not worry. We thank you, Father, that we don't have to wallow in darkness. We don't have to just float in the wavy, rough seas. But we can always cling on to you. We can be firm and we can be secure in our circumstances because Jesus Christ is firm and sure. Because Jesus Christ is our solid rock. Lord Jesus, once again, as we are entering these 40 days of hope, we reaffirm that you are our Savior, that you are our Lord, and that you alone can give us hope in this seemingly hopeless world that we live in. In Jesus' name, amen.